Love you too. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, we want to welcome back our uh, mission team that was in the Bahamas. Thank you guys for loving people and being there and helping to rebuild uh, what the hurricane destroyed and just rebuilding some hope and some faith. Thank you for representing Jesus and representing NCC. We love you guys. Hey, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 this morning. If uh, you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, uh, we're going to be taking all of our, our points right out of Mark chapter 4 right there. Um, we started a series last week called Farming in 3D, the parable of the sower or the parable of the farmer in three perspectives, and those perspectives happen to be the vision of our church, connect with God, connect with others, and create community. Last week, we talked about how we sow seeds and continue to sow seeds so people can connect with God. Now, this morning, what we're going to look at is how we sow seeds so people can connect with others. All right. Here in my hand, I hold one, two, three, four, Five $20 bills <laughs> for all of the uh, public school kids. That's $100. Okay. <laughs> and $100 is not a lot of money, I know, but if, uh, if I offered it to you, you probably wouldn't turn it down, right? So let's see. If I was going to give this $100 away this morning... You have got to qualify for it. Uh, let's see if you qualify. And you know how this is going to go. None of you are going to qualify, so you're not getting $100. <laughs> okay. You had to have been born in the state of Texas. Yay. You have to be a man. Not only do you have to be a man, but you had to have been born into a Christian home. You have to be a man born into a Christian home that is married. Oh. <laughs> and you have to have children. You have to have a college degree. You must have memorized large portions of the Bible word for word. You have to have read your Bible every day for the past year. You had to have given 10% of all your money to the church for the last year, and you could not have missed a Sunday for the last year. You could have never been drunk or used illegal drugs. That would have wiped out the front row right here. <laughs> you could have never listened to secular music. You could have never watched a rated R movie. You could have never used profanity. And I know what some of you are thinking. I said you had to be married and have kids, and you've never used profanity. Yeah. See, we just cut everybody out. 
biggest thing of all, if you did qualify, the biggest rule is you must never, ever associate with those who do not qualify. I know. This is the religious atmosphere during Jesus' time. Special privileges were given to men who were born in the right place, to the right family, with the right education that strictly kept all of the religious rules. But what about those who didn't qualify? What about the common everyday people like you and me that would not qualify? This is what Jesus walked into when he came on the scene and he began preaching a a new kingdom. He began demonstrating the power of this new kingdom. And word began to get out about this Jesus and people were coming to see him. Not because he was giving away money, but because he was giving away hope. Hope to the down and out. Hope to the, the, those that had been thrown out. Hope to those who had been drugged out and those that had just walked out, right? And these are the people that, that begin to come around Jesus. And he began to teach them one day. And this is where we pick it up. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 2. In Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 2, it says, He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew, and it choked, up the t- choked out the tender plants so that they produced no gain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, just like we said last week when we read this out of Matthew, we want to listen, we want to hear, and we want to understand. Last week, we wanted to understand how we could help people connect with God. Now, this week, we want to hear and understand how to help people connect with others. When I used to to read or, or hear this parable, it almost seemed like a license to judge people. They're living in the rocks. Obviously, what's wrong with him is he's in the thorns. He's not good soil like me, right? But Jesus was not telling this story so people would, would, be, would be judging each other. He was saying, hey, let's look at what's going on in our lives. And then he comes back here in just a minute, and he begins to retell the story with the disciples 
so they can begin to recognize what's going on in people's lives and then do something about it, okay? So this morning, I want us to look at how we can help others help people connect with others so they can grow in their faith. And there's four things that we must find to help people do that. Moving down into verse 14, it says the farm, this is Jesus when he has come back to the disciples and he is explaining the parable to them. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So here's the first thing that we must find so we can help others connect. So we can help people connect with others, excuse me. First thing we have to find is we've got to find the moments. Find the moments. People that are living on this footpath, people that are living on this hard place, they're people that we see occasionally. And a lot of what I'm talking about is is here in the church. And let me say right before I even get into any of this, if, if you're one of the people that we see occasionally, we love you. Thank you for being here. We want you to be here. We want to connect with you. So don't feel like I'm saying something, oh, he's pointing fingers at me. No, I'm not. I'm talking to the body so we can learn how to minister to each other. All right? So the people that live along the, the footpath are those that we only see occasionally. We see them once in a while, and we have to take the opportunity to connect when we see them. We have to connect knowing that the enemy is going to come and try to steal that seed. A lot of times when when we only see people occasionally, there's things going on in their life that we may not even know about. And then they, they come in and the, the enemy's accusing them of, you know, nobody there cares about you. Nobody wants you there. And that's just not the truth. We have got to take the opportunity when we see people to connect with people. All right? We have to become uh, in-house evangelists, so to speak. Because a lot of times people, they, when, they, when they do come and they get into worship, like we had a great worship time this morning, they go, oh, worship was so good. Worship was so good. And then they get greeted, get their, get their necks hugged by some people. Oh, it's so good to be around people. And then they come and, and they hear something in the message that, and God ministers something to their heart. And they say, oh, I, just, I, I need more of that. And they make a mental vow that I'm going to come to church more often. But then they go back out to life, right? So we're not in a place where, where we're going to condemn or judge anybody. We're going to connect when you're here. When you come through those doors, we're going to connect with you. Because we know that at times people are living on that that footpath, living on that hard path, and we don't know everything that's going on in their lives. I was there one time. When I first started coming to this church and I started bringing my family to this church, I was on that footpath. I was hurt. I was broken. And I would sit in the very back. Now, it's not this building. It was the old building. I would sit in the very back. And... You know how it is when the person doing the transition says, hey, why don't you turn around and greet your neighbor? You know that awkward feeling that uh, uh, occasional people, they know that feeling, like who's going to talk to me? I didn't want anybody to talk to me. But here's the thing. We only do 45 seconds here. Back in the day, it lasted for like 10 minutes. 
I mean, you knew everything about everybody. You knew what was going on in their mama's life and everything else. And I would stand there for 10 minutes gripping the chair in front of me because I did not want anybody to talk to me. Why? Because I was hurt. But there was one man in the church every Sunday that we were there, and we weren't there every Sunday. We would come. We'd miss several weeks. We'd be back again. There was one man that he would make that little walk right back there to where I was. It was like it was his mission to come say hi to me because he didn't talk to anybody else along the way. He would just talk, and it may have been just nobody else liked him. I don't really know. But he would make his way right there to me, and he knew my name, and he greeted me every time. And it began to melt some things in my heart, and I needed that. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. So when you see somebody, greet them. Hug a neck. Be that in-house evangelist because they're living on the, the footpath, on the hard soil right now. And they need to know that somebody cares about them. Uh, there's an old saying uh, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. A lot of times you cannot minister into somebody's life until you've walked over that line of them knowing that you care about them. There was a man named Paul Tournier who was an influential Christian therapist back in the middle part of the last century. And he had such, a, such good success with his clients that uh, doctors from around the world would go to his home in Switzerland to, to learn from him. And he said in an interview that he almost felt embarrassed for these doctors because they would come to study his techniques and they would always leave disappointed because they realized all he did was accept people. See, people that are living on that footpath just need to know that they're accepted by God and they're accepted by us. Okay? All right, let's move on. Mark 4, verse 16 says, The seed on the rocky soil represented those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's Word. So here's the second thing that we need to find. We need to find the movement. The first one was we needed to find the moments. The moments when people are here, we need to connect with them. But this, this next class of people, people that are living in the rocks, we need to find the movement. People who live in the rocks, they spring up quickly, and Jesus said sometimes they fall away quickly. So we need to move quickly. We need to move quickly to recognize their hurts so we can help to stabilize them. That's why people come to church. Are you hearing me? Most people do not come to church going, I got it all together. We come at the point of our hurt and at the point of our need. So we need to move quickly when we recognize people are hurting. We need to move quickly to begin conversations with them about growing spiritually. And we even need to move quickly to, to help them in practical ways. What are practical things that we can do? Get to know them. Invite them to lunch. Let me tell you, um, you may be sitting next to somebody some, this morning, and you may have started a conversation with them. And you may know more about them than I know about them. Honestly, you may know some things that are going on in their life that I don't know about. 
God's using you to do ministry. It's not just the guys that stand on stage and gals. I don't, you know, let's don't get weird there. Whoever happens to be standing on stage, okay? It's not just us that are here to do the ministry. We are all called in the body of Christ to do ministry. And if somebody sitting next to you is hurting, don't sit there and go, well, maybe you can make an appointment with Pastor Chris or Pastor Sam or Pastor Roger. And No, begin to minister to them. There's enough in you. You don't think there is, but there's enough in you already. If Jesus Christ lives inside of you, there's enough in you. And if you hear something, pass the information along. It would be nice to know some things that are going on in people's life. One, one, of the, one of the most exasperating things that ever happened, Pastor Sam and I have looked at each other just dumbfounded at times when somebody hadn't been in church in a few weeks and, and, and you finally see them and go, oh, well, you know, I had major surgery. <laughs> that would have been nice to know, wouldn't it? Yeah, you've all done it. That's the reason you... <laughs> In other words, we want to partner with the Holy Spirit to become responsible for people. Here's some practical ways that we can do it in the church. Through groups. We need to help people get into groups. Through freedom ministry. If you've not heard or experienced freedom ministry yet, you are missing out on something that God wants to do in your life. Okay? And the good thing is we're having a freedom event here in about six weeks. So you'll be hearing more about that. But freedom ministry changed the way that, that I think about God, respond to God. It was awesome. And we have that available to our people. As I was talking about last week, we've got some teachers in the body that are working on some curriculum so um, we can start a class for people that are coming in just to ground them in their faith. And guess who's going to be teaching it? Not me. You guys. Because the body should be doing the ministry. We know that people that live on the rocky ground, that they may slip in and they may slip, slip out. So we have to help them see the positive movement in their own lives. Remember, we're looking for movement. They may not have been in church for years. But you know what? They've been here the last few weeks. That's movement. And you need to help them see that. Their kids may have never connected anywhere, but you know what? They're in, they're in uh, covenant kids back there this morning, and they're, and they're getting the word. Or they may be uh, here on Wednesday night with the youth group getting the word, and they're connecting. That's movement. That was kind of weak, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we need to help them see that positive movement in their own lives. Um, Sam Fisher, he was supposed to be here this morning, but he's not feeling well, so everybody pray for Pastor Sam. Sam Fisher has been my spiritual mentor for the last 15 years, and the <laughs> he believed so completely in me at a time when I did not uh, warrant such trust that it, uh, it caused me to begin to believe in myself again. You know, he's inspired me, he's encouraged me, he's challenged me. And even though it's been 15 years since Sam pulled a, you know, a broken preacher out of the gutter and said it's going to be okay, I still to this day 
work really hard to be that person that Sam saw in me. Because I know ultimately that's who God sees me as as well. So these people, even though we look at them, they go, man, they got issues. (laughs) Who doesn't, number one? But you may be sitting next to somebody that has issues that might wind up being the next pastor of a church somewhere. (laughs) So we don't give up on people. They may be living in the rocks right now, but that's not their destiny. That's not what God has planned for them. That's not what God has prophesied over them. Okay? So we don't give up on people. We want to connect people with others so they can grow, so they can be discipled. People living in the rocks, they need to see that there's been movement in their lives, even though they struggle sometimes to stay committed, to help them, to help them, we choose to see them as God sees them. All right? Verse 18, I got two more points in 10 minutes. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represented others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So here's the third thing is we've got to find the motivation. We've got to find the motivation. People that live in the thorns, they're already motivated. They're already focused, just usually on the wrong things. So we need to help them find their purpose, their godly passion, their kingdom gifting, their eternal motivation. Listen to me, okay? Churches can be too restricting sometimes. And because of that, because we've got a box and we try to make everybody fit in the box, anytime that you try to make anything God is doing fit in a box, God is going to kick your box into next week. All right? So we've got people that will come through those doors and they don't fit in a box. But they're passionate about something. So we've overlooked people who can make an impact in the kingdom, sometimes because they're just too much trouble. And there's no plan in place for passionate but needy. That's not going to be new covenant. Sometimes they're too inquisitive. They ask the wrong questions. You can ask the right questions, but don't ask the wrong questions. And I've said this many, many times. God is not afraid of your questions. It doesn't matter what the question is. God is not afraid of your questions. Any question that you have to have is not going to rock him. He's not going to fall off of his throne because you asked a question. That's the whole reason that, that we instituted the, the uh, text questions, NCC questions to 97,000. If I'd have told them, they could have put it up here, but I didn't because it just came off the top of my head. So, sorry, tech team. But we have had a lot of people ask questions, good questions. You can ask questions. We may not always have the answer, but you can ask the question. And sometimes they're just too different. Because like I said, everybody's calling doesn't neatly fit into a church box. But because sometimes, and I'm not just talking about us, I'm talking about the church universal. We try to make things fit in a box. We are losing the battle for artistic expression. God is the most creative being in the universe. 
why should the world have all the good music? <laughs> why? Why should somebody have to leave the church? And we've seen it so many times. People that started in church, but there wasn't a place for their, their, their expression. And they wind up leaving the church. And we don't want to see that. So people who live in the thorns are in need of direction. So we need to have a discipleship model in place that will engage the passion and the motivation and harness it for the kingdom. All right, lastly, verse 20. Is this making any sense this morning? Okay, good. Verse 20. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. So here's the fourth thing that we need to find. We need to find the mission. People living in good soil are looking for a mission. They're here because they want to be used in the kingdom. Sometimes we get so busy getting involved in, in, in messy lives, we overlook those that, that are here to be a part of the mission. And that's not the way that we want to do it. Once again, Body ministry. We talked last week about the, the idea that we've had, that, that we've been rolling around a little bit and working on of having shepherds in the body. That's men and women who are just want to connect with people, just check on people, just pray with people. And I got some really good feedback from that last week. I had people tell me that, hey, when, when you said that, something just started to stir on the inside of me. Well, good. And those people will be trained. They'll be commissioned to, to go out and do that. But you know what? You don't have to wait until you've been commissioned. Just turn to the person next to you and start to do it. Okay? At NCC, we're about kingdom ministry, not a one-man show. That's not the first time you've heard that this morning. Some already know their giftings and callings and their passion. So we need to make room for them to join their heart with the mission and vision of this house. And it may stretch us. And that's good, but what's the alternative? If we're not willing to be stretched to bring in and work with people that do it a little bit differently than we do, what's the alternative? There was a woman whose name was Lynette Squeaky Frome. Yep, squeaky. In 1975, she pushed her way through a crowd and tried to assassinate President Gerald Ford. After she was arrested, some, uh, some reporters started looking into her background, and they found that, that she'd just grown up in a real mess. And she says that she always felt like a misfit. She never believed that, that she fit in her own family she never believed that, that she fit in, even in her own hometown. So she ran away from home. And she just wandered around the United States and finally made her way out to, to California where she met uh, a member of a cult. And this, this cult member took her to meet their leader whose name was Charles Manson. And if you're not a 
aware of who Charles Manson is. He's a man that had a cult, and he convinced his followers to, to kill several people in the late 60s. And although Manson was already in prison by the time this happened, she was, our, she was still receiving her leadership and her directions from him. And one of the reporters asked her one time, why would you give your life to somebody like Charles Manson? Now listen to this. She said, I made a vow that the first person who loved me and took care of me, I would give them my life. And when she met Manson, he looked her in the eye and said, I'll take care of you. So when I read these type of things, I always have the question, well, what if she'd met a follower of Jesus instead of a follower of Manson? What if that follower of Jesus had helped her connect with God? And even though she felt like a misfit, helped her connect with others. We have people sitting in this room this morning that you absolutely identify with that story. You're not trying to kill the president or anything, but you feel like a misfit. I just don't fit. I don't understand why I don't fit. And that's why we want to help you connect. I believe you're born again. You're connecting with God, but what about connecting with others in such a way that the giftings and the passions that God has put inside of you that are so very, very unique can be expressed in a way that only you could do it because that's how unique our God is. People on the footpath, in the rocks and in the thorns, even those on the good soil are looking for purpose, connection, and love. Once they've connected with God, we need to connect them with others who will walk this journey of life with them. So what do I want you to know? If we'll find the moments, the movement, the motivation, and the mission of discipleship, we as a church will see God do amazing things. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel needed in the body of Christ. So many people do not feel like they're even needed. So many people think, well, if I didn't even show up, they wouldn't even notice. I want you to feel needed. Your journey makes you uniquely qualified to disciple certain people. There is somebody that you can connect with that would never connect with me. And God put you on this planet with a purpose. So what do I want you to do? I want you to make a commitment to be ready to walk with people as they walk towards their destiny in God. Can we pray? Father, you hear the cry of our heart. Lord, I thank you. Just as Christian said earlier, Lord, you're not just somewhere out there. You're the God that lives among us, and you're the God that lives in us. You walk with us. You have caused us 
to be adopted into your family. We are children of the living God. And Lord, this morning, as a church, we want to make the commitment to disciple people. Just like from last week, Lord, we're praying for 100 people to be saved, 100 people to be saved this year. Well, Lord, we don't want them just to be saved. We do want them saved. We know that, that that is the most important thing. But, Lord, while they're here, we also want to disciple them. We want them to know who they are in Christ Jesus. We want them to be free of the hurts and pains that life has inflicted on them. Lord, we want to walk with them so they can see their giftings. Lord, they can recognize their passion. And they can worship you in that unique way that only they can. So Lord, as a body this morning, we make that commitment. We make that commitment, Lord, to look for the moments where we can speak into people's lives, where we can just hug a neck, where we can just love somebody. We're looking for those moments. Lord, we're looking for movement to help people see that God has been doing some things in your life. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. You're just on the edge of complete victory. Don't give up now. Lord, we're looking for motivation to help people be motivated to be who they've been called to be. And Lord, we're after your mission. Your mission to see East Texas, because that's our realm of authority. Lord, to see East Texas turned upside down for the kingdom of God. Lord, start something in East Texas that can only be blamed on you. No man can take credit for it. Only you can take credit for it, Lord. And we just want to be a part of it. We just want to be a part of it, Lord. We want to be doing our part along with our our brothers and sisters at other churches. We want to be doing our part. So when you begin to move, Lord, we're just going to flow with you. You believe that? Lord, we pray it. We declare it over our body in Jesus' name. Amen.